as I was thinking about it, we realized that Jesus fulfilled many prophecies in the Old Testament, hundreds. And if I can be a little bit poetic, uh, the lives of these people that we're studying are like prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. In Adam, we saw a couple weeks ago the original sin, our death, pointing to our need for a Savior. Last week in Noah, God restarted, He rebegan all of humanity through Him, pointing to what Christ was going to do for us spiritually. In Moses, I think, you know, maybe Joseph, but Moses, there's more about him. Moses, I think, has more uh, ties to Christ than any other Old Testament figure. I probably could name in the area of 70, uh, which I'm not going to do because I'd go past time. So I'm going to pick my spots a little bit. Jesus and Moses were born at a time when God's people were under severe oppression. In Exodus 1, starting in verse 8, it says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And then if we can look quickly at what was going on with, in the time of Christ, Matthew 23, and I'll start in verse 1. Now the Jews at, at Christ's time were under the Roman Empire's oppression. Your bookmarked it. So notice what we read in, in Exodus about the taskmasters. Jesus says here in 23.1, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Okay, so it's a similar thing that he's talking about the Pharisees were doing, that the Egyptians were doing. Both Jesus and Moses had their lives threatened as babies. Pharaoh was going to kill all the babies, right? Moses had to, Moses' mom had to put him in a basket and send him down the Nile. And Joseph and Mary had to flee to Egypt to escape Herod. One of the ties about Mo Moses' mother having to uh, give him up 
is God the Father giving up his son for us. Dan made the point last week about uh, Noah's Ark and the basket being the same Hebrew word. I didn't know that beforehand. But it's not surprising to me because I, I, had, I had often thought that those two instances, uh, the Ark and Moses being in the basket, were precursors to baptism. In Exodus 2.2, Moses' mother, it says, about Moses' mother, it says she saw that he, Moses, was a fine child. Hebrews 11.23 expounds, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And what did God, what did the Father say at Christ's baptism? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. It's not exactly the same, but in Acts 7, verse 20, this is Stephen's speech, he says, we can bring it up, Acts seven twenty. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. Both Moses and Jesus were royal. Okay, Moses was called the Prince of Egypt. And we know Jesus is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. They both laid down that position willingly. Hebrews 11.24, just turn there quickly. I'll start in verse 23, actually. By faith Moses, when he was born, oh, we just read that. Sorry. Because they saw the child was beautiful, they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, It says about Jesus, Paul writing, I'll start in verse 5, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we know from there it talks about how God exalted him. So Moses gave up a place of prestige to associate with the then lowly Israelites. Jesus' rejection was far worse. Moses was rejected when he first came. Who made you a judge and a ruler over us, they said to him. And in Matthew 12, verses 22 through 24, Jesus heals a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute. It was brought to him, Jesus healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. According to Jewish scholar Arnold 
I may pronounce this wrong, I'm sorry. I read it and didn't hear it. Arnold Fruchtenbaum. The tradition held that the Messiah would do three key signs to prove the validity of his claim as Messiah. He would raise someone from the dead. He would cleanse lepers. And he would heal someone blind and mute. This is the third one in Matthew 12. And so they said, could this be? When the Pharisees said that he was doing it by Satan, essentially, Jesus told them that to say this was blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and it was unforgivable. I'm actually going to go into more detail on that Wednesday, uh, if you're interested in coming out to Life Group. Okay, one more before we move on. Moses took a Gentile bride when he was out in the wilderness, and Jesus took a Gentile bride in the church. He was largely rejected. John 1 says that he came to his own, and his own did not know him. Okay. Now, the key thing I want to focus on with Moses and Jesus is the fact that uh, Moses was a mediator. Moses dealt with God on Israel's behalf. More importantly, God dealt with Moses. To that extent, Moses is often called the giver of the law, and it was called the law of Moses. But of course it wasn't. It was God's law, and God gave it. Even before that, Moses was mediating between God and Pharaoh, again on Israel's behalf. He was getting them out of there. As I was studying, Dan directed me to an article by Rachel Myers, and she makes the point that Moses loved God and he loved his people, and that what makes a good mediator is loving both parties and wanting them to love each other. Maybe you've had to play mediator between two friends or family members, people that you care deeply for, people that may try to pit you against, each, you know, against the other one. I remember in my early 20s, my brother was getting married. And uh, I'm not going to go into the whole drama of it, but one of my aunts and uncles got offended by something, you know, so it goes. Uh, and they threatened not to come to the wedding. And my brother was, he can be hard-headed anyway, but in, in dealing with the stress of preparing for his wedding, he was like, well, fine, you know, don't come, that sort of thing. Uh, my mom especially, it was her siblings, they, she was on his side about, you know, the whole thing. And I felt like God wanted me to reach out. God wanted me to, to try to make, make peace there. And I did. My mom was mad at me about it. You, you had no place, which she was wrong. I did. <laughs> Sorry to say, Mom. <laughs> so, anyway, the issue was resolved, and they ended up coming to the wedding, and so on and so forth. We read that, again, after the time of Noah, that God had repented that he made man. And he wanted to start again through Moses. He told Moses that he was going to do it. Moses mediated, he advocated, he interceded, and the Israelites were spared. God told Moses in Exodus 33 that he was going to send the Israelites to the promised land, but he wasn't going to go with them. 
It says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. God wasn't being capricious. He wasn't being vindictive. He is love, yes, of course, but he is also a consuming fire, and we can't take that part away from him. What did Jesus tell people? Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And Moses intercedes in Exodus 33. Uh, He starts in verse 12, and I want to read that. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight... Please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he, God, said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? He wouldn't even separate himself from them. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Do you see how great Moses' love for Israel was? It's incredible. But God loved Israel even more than Moses did. He already knew that Moses was going to intercede for them. He put him there to do it. He allowed it to play out this way, to tell the better story that he was going to provide the ultimate mediator in his son. God's judgment is real, and it is fearsome, and it is coming. And while we all undergo a judgment... We who accept Christ's sacrifice have his blood sprinkled on the doorposts of our hearts and we are saved from the eternal judgment. Christ, according to Hebrews 8.6, has mediated a better covenant. Look with me at 1 John. I'm going to start in one, chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. God is telling the same story over and over again. But this time it's a truer story. It's a better story. 
The stories of old have culminated in our Savior. It's a sad truth that many of the Israelites didn't make it to the promised land. They died in the wilderness. Hebrews 3.5 tells us that Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. But he struck a rock instead of speaking to it. And he didn't make it to the promised land. I couldn't get my head around that for the longest time. But God revealed the truth to me. There's a lot there with the rock, which I won't get into. But suffice it to say, he did make it. He made it to a truer and better promised land. The one that we are striving to enter, according to Hebrews 4.11. When God told Moses that he wasn't going to be allowed to enter, the people didn't immediately go in. They were with Moses under him for years until he died. And then they went in. Joshua uh, chapter 1, verse 2, I want to read. Moses, my servant, is dead. This is God speaking to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Now, therefore, now that Moses is dead, God told them. So where does that leave us? Moses and others that we're going to learn about were types of Christ. In a different sense, we might say that the church is a type of Christ as well. He denied himself. He died a painful death. In Luke 9, Jesus said, If any man come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The true idea of being Christ-like goes a lot deeper than being nice to people. For our purposes here today, as Moses mediated between God and Israel, Jesus has mediated between the Father and us. He reconciled us to him. And now it's our turn. We now mediate between God and man on Christ's behalf. We tell the unsaved about his glorious plan of salvation for them. In the Great Commission, what did Jesus say? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, teaching them everything that I have commanded of you. One last scripture I want to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us 
the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are interceders. We are mediators. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This walk is hard. I feel like in this story we are in the wilderness. We haven't made it to the promised land yet. We strive against our flesh. We are saved from the law of sin and death, and we are raised up in Jesus Christ in grace. But we face many afflictions. Yet we do not face them alone. We work together with he who overcomes and with each other. The last couple days uh, have been difficult for me, probably because I've was going to come up here. Um, I've been sharing with some people. I know that God is calling me to preach. I've known it for a while. And uh, within the last couple of weeks, it's been confirmed. You know, Satan t- tries to just attack you. He brings up your past faults. I've done and said a lot of stupid things. And he brings up your past hurts. I've been hurt. I've been hurt recently. And there's a part of me that wants to say, I don't need to deal with that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We mediate. We mediate between each other. I'm going to say stupid things and do stupid things from here on out. I know it because I know myself. Yeah. (laughs) Part of trusting God is trusting other people because the church is his plan for us. We can't wall ourselves off and expect to do his work. We can't. I've lost sleep. I've shed tears about it. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because I'm broken. And I know I'm not the only one. And I know that God wants to do a work here. I'm going to invite Dan and Steph up. We we move prayer time to the end of the service. I'm going to go up and play a song that's been on my heart uh, in a minute here. But I love you all. I love you all. I love you all deeply.
And it's not of me. It's of him. He's working in me. He's changing in me. So, I love you, man. I want to encourage you that if you want to be used of God, you're going to become broken. Because what he wants to do is tear down all the stuff that you think you are that you're not, that you're striving towards that he doesn't want you to strive toward, that uh, you're, you're blaming and doing all kinds of other stuff that keeps you from allowing him to rule and reign in your heart. What God does is he breaks you. Amen? And then... He forms this beautiful new creation out of his grace and love. And here's how he does it. He shaped you for ministry. Everyone in this room is shaped for ministry. He's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you a heart for ministry. He's given you abilities. He's given you a personality. Some of you, hmm. Okay, but uh, he's given you, listen to me. He's given you experiences, okay? The devil comes and says, those experiences are not good, and that thusly, therefore, and henceforth and forevermore, you shall not be used of God ever. And God says, oh, really? Oh, really? God says, give me all that stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to redeem it, and I'm going to restore it, and I'm going to make it new. And all the wounds and scars and brokenness that you have, You're able to see it in other people. And instead of going with your brokenness towards them, you go with God's grace to renew and restore and redeem. Amen? So, yeah. He's a broken man. No duh. Okay? We're all broken. We all need our Savior. And we need authenticity and a reality that we have a heart that's geared towards our own intentions and devices. We need each other and encourage each other. This prayer time today is for you to pray about what God wants to do in your heart and life. If, if he wants you to give something up, give it up. If he wants you to move in a, in a sense of ministry and direction for him, take the step of faith and say, yes, Lord. And he'll take care of the rest. Amen. We're going to have a prayer time and God is, God is stirring your hearts. We're going to invite you up just for, just for a great time of, of prayer to get this message into our hearts. Moses was a mediator for the people of Israel. Jesus Christ was a mediator for Jews first and then the Gentiles. And that's why Daryl said that Jesus took a Gentile bride. Yeah, we're his bride. We are the bride of Christ. Amen. And then we are ministers of reconciliation. Yeah, you. With everything going on in your life, God is saying, get out there. You're an ambassador for his glory and honor. Amen? Doesn't that thrill your heart that God is going to use you? So this is our prayer time today. God to stir us and, 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 re, and reveal to you your shape for ministry. God has shaped you to be a minister and a reconciler and an ambassador for him. God wants to use you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Amen? We're going to ask that you come and uh, just have a time of prayer.